Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Praveen on from Group IO, and we're going to be learning all about his first, all about his firm, and the business case or the use case for how and why people buy his uh, application. So, without any further ado, uh, Praveen, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and your company? Thank you, William. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me today. And um, so um, I'm Praveen Kanyadi, the co-founder of uh, Group.io. Group.io is essentially a solution that's specifically designed for frontline employees uh, in organizations such as retail, hospitality, construction, manufacturing. What Group.io does is that it helps organization connect, engage, and motivate their frontline uh, employees, and also helps them leverage technology to improve productivity of these frontline workers. So um, it's essentially, uh, you know, it's the, the, the whole platform is designed specifically for uh, this targeted audience. So what I love about this is there's not a lot of technology that's built for high volume. You know, there's a whole lot of technology in our space, HR and uh, TA tech that's built for the corporate world. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these are kind of blended workforces, so I, I get that too. But, you know, hospitality, retail, food service, convenience stores, uh, hourly health care, there's just not as many applications to pick from as a CHRO or global head of talent. So I love that you're kind of focused on that group. And then I'm assuming over the pandemic, we learned a whole lot about that group. <laughs> 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 so there's a lot of learning that went on there. Um, so, you know, first things first, um, you know, why did you decide to, why did you decide to, to start group.io? Right. So, um, in the, uh, you know, um, back in the days when Yammer was, um, recent new in the market, uh, there was this whole, um, new, um, concept of enterprise social network where organizations started to realize the importance of having a social media kind of an experience for employees. Uh, we built a, a platform called Yam. We built a product called Context, um, which competed with Yammer, and it got acquired by Autodesk. So we actually started with a communication platform for corporate employees. During um, that time- Go ahead, go ahead, yeah, I'm sorry. So we learned a lot about uh, you know the needs of corporate employees and you know the likes of collaboration platforms and all of that. But what we realized was that 80% of the workforce, so if we deployed that solution to a large retail company organization with 10,000 employees, only 2,000 employees were using that solution because the solution wasn't addressing 8,000 frontline employees. So a large majority of workforce uh, could not use the solution because it did not cater to the unique needs of these frontline employees. So that's what we realized that there's a huge opportunity uh, for a segment that's completely, as you mentioned, right? It is underserved from a technology perspective. That's where we started the journey of Group.io. I, I love that. And where, you know, first of all, where, what, what 
part of the features and functionalities did you start with when once you identified the markets underserved, et cetera, communications can be uh, difficult, et cetera, you know, especially like things, things like shift change, you know, not, not easy, or at least historically. Where did y'all start? What was kind of the, the nucleus of where you wanted to start with the product and then build around it? Right. So the most important aspect was onboarding these frontline employees. Most of the frontline employees do not have a corporate email address. Right. Uh, unlike, you know, corporate employees. And uh, the other uh, big uh, challenge is that um, there's a very high churn. If you look at uh, retail, hospitality, healthcare, the churn is as much as 50 to 65%. Also, there are a lot of um, contingent workforce, temporary workforce and all of that stuff. So provisioning email addresses, managing uh, that workforce is a huge challenge as a result of that and, and the cost of you know, provisioning an email for frontline employees. As a result of that, it was very, very challenging to onboard them to traditional um, solutions which were meant for desk-based uh, users. So the first thing that we focused was, how do we onboard these employees without requiring a corporate email address? So, yeah, so, so one of the things that obviously was important is being mobile friendly or mobile first. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So uh, what we did was we designed it in a way where um, we could onboard them using just their mobile number, um, the experience. So that was the first aspect, the onboarding. Uh, it had to be based on this. We also had to make it uh, in a way where it is self-serve. So, you know, employees are able to scan a QR code, enter the mobile number, uh, and they are into the network. There's obviously authentication, those kind of things built in. But the whole idea was to how do you make it really uh, frictionless and, you know, really easy and simple, straightforward for these frontline employees to onboard uh, into this platform. The second aspect is that, you know, they're not as tech savvy as, um, you know, the corporate employees. So we had to make sure that the user experience had to be designed in a way which is really, uh, you know, simple, intuitive, uh, and uh, matches consumer media applications. So, because all, everybody's used to the likes of Facebook, Instagram, and all of that. So we had to bring our experience closer to that. So, you know, there is minimum learning curve. And third aspect is what you mentioned, which is making it mobile centric because these are non-desk workers. They do not have, they do not sit in front of a computer. So we had to make sure that the design is, you know, it's mobile first. So these were some of the crucial aspects while designing the platform for them. So one of the things I heard recently, which I want to get your take on from, you know, from your customers is, you know, what's happening in high volume is again, when someone applies to um, an hourly job, you know, let's say it's at McDonald's, they're also applying at Walmart, they're also applying at, you know, somewhere in the mall, et cetera. So they're applying at a lot of different things, not necessarily by industry. Sometimes they are, but more often than not, they're just applying it wherever they think they can get a job. But what this person was telling me is that once once they've accepted the job, so they went through the application process, you accept them, they accept the job, half of those people are actually showing up. The other half that said yes, that went to the said yes to the job, uh, aren't showing up. And then once they go through onboarding, half of those people 
are bowing out. Right. And, and, and again, it, I mean, that's just crazy to me. Again, knowing, knowing what happens in the corporate world, that doesn't happen as frequently and not like that. Um, what are you seeing? What are you, what's, what are your, what are your customers seeing? So um, one of the things that we've seen consistently is that um, one of the key drivers why people want to onboard a solution like ours is to reduce churn because uh, it is, uh, you know, as there are a couple of um, aspects to it. The first thing is um, the employees don't feel connected and motivated because there is hardly any communication. And communication is uh, a very, very core aspect uh, in being able to keep your uh, employees motivated. Um, And because of the reasons that we mentioned, uh, there's absolutely no communication. And that is the reason why once they've onboarded, uh, they do not feel, uh, you know, in a corporate world, what happens is that uh, employee onboarding is a very involved process. Uh, there are, you know, you come in, um, there's a training period, uh, you know, buddies take you out for lunch, uh, you get assimilated to the culture, there are a lot of videos explaining what the company culture is. Um, the whole thing, you know, you're being handholded into the company. But if you look at the frontline counterpart, right, they, you know, there's, because of the lack of tools and technology, you can't provide that kind of an experience. Uh, and that leads to, uh, you know, that contributes to um, this churn. Uh, and also over a period of time, it's not just the onboarding. What you see is that uh, this high churn is also as a result of not feeling, you know, valued, not feeling, you know, not understanding, you know, you know their role in the larger picture of the organization. So, so, what, what we've seen uh, is that organizations that have done really well in terms of communication, in terms of motivating their workforce, um, engaging with them, they have seen a significant uh, you know, reduction in, in churn. I like that because it, it hits on two things. It, you, you said engagement. So it hits on that, but it also hits on the experience, right? Yeah. So a candidate experience that we're talking about on the front end you know, it's, it's communicating with them, you know, it's not leaving them in the dark as to where they are. It's, you know, being supportive of them and making sure that they really are, you know, excited about the opportunity, engaging them. And, and, and again, that doesn't stop once they, once they start and then they go through whatever onboarding process it is. It's how do you create a great experience for them? Uh, Because everyone wants to have, I mean, that's the, the irony is, you know, it doesn't matter where you kind of fall in society. You want to have a great experience. Right. Like, no one wants to have a terrible experience. So the, the difference between someone that makes $120,000 an hour in a salary job and someone that makes $12 an hour in an hourly job, they both, they will both want to have a good experience, you know, both in, both on the hiring side, but also on the employee side. So um, a, I love that you brought up engagement because I, I wanted to get around to that anyhow. Uh, but but uh, it also brought me to experience. Um, let me let me ask you a question about you know customers, the folks that that are using you know Group.io right now. What's your favorite? And anonymize this. Don't don't tell us company names or anything. But what's your kind of favorite customer story right now of just people that are using it? You turned them on, they bought it, and then boom, something happened. And you're like, wow, this is cool. 
So um, we, just to give an example, um, last month we onboarded a manufacturing company that uh, manufactures bottles. And um, in the past, they, were, they had absolutely no ways of communicating with their frontline employees. And uh, we talk about top-down communication, but we don't usually talk about bottom-up communication. In this specific example, what, what happened was that they, um, we provide a feature where um, you can allow employees to give ideas on very, very specific issues. So they actually um, you know, sent out, they, they created a challenge um, around shop floor. So they, they asked very specific uh, uh, you know, ideas and suggestions on certain issues they were facing on shop floor. And what they realized was that the frontline employees were able to give them, you know, all those guys that were actually at the shop floor, they understand the problem very closely. And they got tons of ideas, which made a lot of sense. And um, this, uh, these ideas were, you know, funneled back into management and they were able to take some very strategic decisions because of this. And um, they actually sent us an email saying that, you know, um, if not for a platform like this, it would be impossible to funnel uh, these ideas from our employees. So that is, I think, the power of uh, a platform like this, because it's not just about uh, top-down communication, it's bi-directional. Well, and what you've done with feedback is you've democratized it and said, right. you know, to everyone, you're important. Your voice is important. Your opinion is important. Your feedback is important. We want you to feel like you're a part of the team because you are a part of the team. And, and so we want your opinion. And again, I, I think that, you know, lacking in a lot of different areas, but, but I love the fact that, you know, companies can now use, you know, group.io and they can use it in a way to gather this, you know, gather this information and, and then do something with it. Like not just gathering it for gathering sake, but like actually make the business better, which makes it's kind of a, you know, self-fulfilling, right? So you get feedback from somebody, you change, you make that better. Then you ask him for more feedback and guess what? You're going to get better ideas. You're going to get more ideas. So uh, I love that, you know, you're helping them, you know, pull that feedback, that important feedback out, those ideas, because I think you're right. I think this is true in restaurants and food service. I think it's true of people that, you know, that clean hotels. Like if you just ask them, you know, how to make something better and you're real specific about it, they'll tell you. Right. <laughs> it's just we haven't historically asked, you know. Uh, so, so I love that. Let, let me ask you about, you uh, know, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just to tie uh, one piece back there. What's also very important is that when you democratize it, you know, we talked about um, churn and all of those kind of things, not feeling valued. Right. We have a way for people to voice their concerns and, you know, share ideas. And when they see that these ideas get institutionalized uh, into some form, they have, you get a buy-in form, you know, your employees, they feel valued. So it kind of goes back and ties into that broader engagement, motivation, Kind of thing as well yeah everybody wants to be heard everyone wants to feel like their input and opinion is both you know respected and uh and and they're heard like again that's kind of humanity in general right we want to have a great experience we also want to be heard 
uh, and and it's frustrating when we're not heard. And that's that's probably another reason for several things are baked into uh, to uh, turnover and churn. But one of them is is has to be that people just kind of felt like no one was listening to them. So I love. I love that you're solving, you know, that's just one of the things that you're solving, but you're solving, you know, that problem. Um, features, uh, you know, features and functionality that's, you know, on your roadmap. How do you make the, how do you make decisions on what's next for, you know, for the product? Right. So um, essentially what happens is um, we, um, we have a way to collect feedback and ideas uh, from our customers. And um, that sort of gives us a pattern. What we've realized is that um, like before uh, pandemic, uh, you know, the kind of feature requests that we would get from our customers, um, you know, customers are looking for, um, they're asking you specific features, but from our perspective, we understand the business need behind it. Uh, and we understand that if like 10 or 15 customers are asking for it, it kind of shows a pattern. For instance, after pandemic, we saw a lot of uh, requests around being able to provide, you know, have like, for example, a survey uh, where people could have uh, fill out if they're feeling well, you know, health and wellness check and, you know, those kind of things. Uh, and then we started to see these patterns in terms of, you know, having a way for crisis communication, having a way for uh, people to, you know, um, provide feedback in terms of health and those kind of parameters, contact tracing, those kind of things. So essentially what, what um, just, um, just to summarize, um, what we do is essentially look at, uh, you know, we have a sense for where the industry is moving, uh, you know, based on experts and analysts, but we also get real tangible feedback from customers that are using it. And we formulate that into a roadmap based on that. You know, what's great is you just basically, you're using your own product in the way that you want your clients to use it, right? right. So you, you ask people uh, specific, you know, what about this? What about that? And then you care enough to ask them. They care enough to give you feedback. And then you then can then sort through that and see the patterns and where there's density around a particular idea or feature or functionality or something or some type of connectivity, et cetera. Um, I love that, by the way, because it's... Just to add to that, uh, we also yeah. do a lot of uh, things around analytics. So mm. everything that happens on the platform, we track that. We track right. user behavior. We track customer adoption. We look at which features are getting adoption. Oh, smart. So, uh, and why they are getting adopted. We, we actually then do a lot of, um, you know, we, we constantly talk to our customers, understand why a certain feature is not being used. So those kind of things, you know, educate us about some of the unique nuances of each industry. Uh, there are certain uh, nuances of retail, which is very different from hospitality, uh, different from construction. So um, that's how we, you know, pull in that information. You'd be surprised uh, how many software companies don't look at that data. Uh, it's, I, I studied user adoption for about five years of my life. And, you know, you have it, you have it. Most software firms have access to that data. They just don't look at it. And uh, one of the things that's really fascinating about that is they'll release new features, but they won't roll back features that aren't being used. And all of a sudden they wake up one day and it's feature bloat. Like it's an application that has a hundred features, but people use five of them. 
And uh, so you, I love that y'all both have visibility and insight into it, but you're action it. You're doing something with that. That's genius. Um, go to market. So what's 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 been the the way that you know you've gotten you you know the demos and you've gotten sales? What's been your kind of your you know what's worked for you so far in your go to market strategy? Right. So um, we've been you know uh, very focused on um, we understand our target uh, persona. Uh, so we are very you know primarily there are two kinds of uh, personas for our product. We we have the HR and leadership. Uh, that is looking to connect and uh, you know motivate and uh, their frontline employees, and then we have the operational folks uh, who work with frontline employees and looking to automate their business processes. So um, our go-to-market strategy has been really um, to build the like I said, you know, the onboarding experience from a product standpoint. It has been very very laser focused on not trying to uh, you know sort of uh, have the product address all uh, you know use cases, but go and uh, provide depth in terms of how we cater uh, this product for frontline employees. Right, and so that's been you know from a product standpoint, you know, product go to market, uh, you know, that has been our strategy. Uh, and gen- generally, in terms of the market, right, we've heavily focused on uh, being uh, you know present with uh, you know leadership forums, you know. Uh, events and you know where we where we find our target audience um, we've we've done a lot of thought leadership um, kind of contributions webinars all of that to educate uh, you know we've been uh, participated in uh, you know forums uh, we've uh, you know we've gone and showcased our product at events you know those kind of things uh, to drive uh, awareness and adoption for a platform. What's, what's great about the industries that you're targeting is, you know, let's just say restaurants for just a second. You have 10 clients that are restaurants. The 11th is easy because they, you know, they just, they hospitality operates the same way. So does retail, big box, small box. They, they operate the same way. Once you have some density around them, they already know that, you know, how they operate. And there's no weirdness. Like in the corporate world, there's weirdness. You know, like if you want to do business, uh, you know, let's say you want to do a TA uh, play for a baseball team. It's very hard to get another baseball team because they think of it as competitive. Whereas in the industries that you serve, they don't. They're like, oh, you get us. Fantastic. Good. We won't have to have a bunch of conversations around stuff that you already get great uh so I, I love that i love the industries that you serve um and in the way that you're serving them um two two final questions one is um pricing and again not down to the dollars and cents but just kind of your you know your model your your philosophy around how you price group.io right. so ours is a standard um, you know SaaS based pricing which is a user-based subscription model um we do have uh, different tiers. Uh, so we have a tier which is uh, specifically focused on communication. We also have a tier which, uh, where you can, um, so we've built the platform such a way where customers can pick and choose. Um, if they just specifically want to focus on automation, they can pick that feature, uh, that tier. If they want to introduce automation, uh, take the next level and introduce automation. Um, and then we have some purpose-built apps. And one of the things as part of go-to-market is that we've built 
uh, industry specific apps, uh, templates and all of those kind of things. So um, it's a per user model. Uh, and then there are specific tiers. So depending upon the tier that you pick, it's a different subscription model. I love that. You know, one of the things we, we didn't touch on with uh, go to market, but it's there um, both both with retail and with food service is franchise franchisors and uh, franchisees and people that own, you know, I think Shaq owns 150. Uh, I can't remember what type of restaurant it is right now, but, but you know, multi-location. You know, right. so so that's that's also yet another kind of an interesting complexity is when, you know, a business owns 14 restaurants and they're they're all different. There's three Taco Bells, seven you know McDonald's, et cetera. Right. They're, they're different. And oh, by the way, uh, they've got to have something that's cross the platform that goes cross all of those and that they can manage in multiple locations. Right. Which is in a fact, complexity that corporate doesn't have, by the way. Just FYI. <laughs> right, right. In fact, we've uh, dealt with uh, you know customers that I mean, we've you know there are property management companies which have like 20, 25 different properties across different locations. Right. Uh, like five married franchisees and five uh, holiday and franchisees. So what we've done is we've actually also in this case created individual networks for each of these uh, franchisees. And oh, then cool. like an Uber franchisee where, uh, you know, there is collaboration between, you know, departments. So you can have general managers of each of these properties talk to each other and those kind of things. Oh, that's just, that's just great learning right there. I mean, a store manager talks to a store manager and again, like one could be in Topeka, one could be in San Francisco and they're, they're learning from each other and uh, you, you're that conduit for them to learn so i love and that's stickiness too that's i mean it's right. in your best interest too because uh, it keep gets them into the product keeps them in the product etc um last last question uh when you demo the software when you when you show this for the first time to somebody what do they latch on to like what do they you know fall in love with or just think is you know that just it you can just tell like i they love this what is that for y'all so for us, um, it has been the user experience mm. and the ease of onboarding. The moment they look at our product, uh, you know, it's, uh, we've been rated really high on our user experience. It's, oh, this is simple. I think our employees can use this. And that's very important for them. 100%. And um, so that's what we get. And, you know, one of the reasons why we got this adoption and traction in the market is primarily because of that. It's. It's like, okay, um, you know, what we do is we give them a demo environment to play around with, and we don't even give them any training. And that is a testimony to the fact that, you know, you can, if you can do it, like we just get the employees to start using it without any training whatsoever. I love that. And what you've, you know, secretly what you've, what you've combated is it's the number one thing that keeps HR and, uh, and TA up at night is uh, they fall in love with a demo. Right. And the next thing is, will my people use it? Right. And you're, you've already scratched that itch for them. And uh, again, just by, you know, creating a great UI, UX, et cetera, and making it very intuitive. Now they've, they, they know that they, you've, you've gone a long way to proving that their people are going to use it. If they can use it, you know, it's one of those deals. If you can use it, you know, your people are going to be able to use it. So I, I love that. 
Um, thank you so much, Praveen, for for coming on the show and uh, and and really talking to us about Group.io. I love it, and I I love the industries that you serve, uh, and I just love the way that you're going about business. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. It was a yep. pleasure with you. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.